Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast from a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? I had one of those great walks that I was promised when I moved uh-huh. to L.A. Where Oh, yeah. Where Everybody the, loves walking in L.A. The air was It's sweet. the walking city. <laughs> 75 degrees and sunny. Yeah. Felt really good. I feel as good as I've felt in a long time getting one of those in. That's good. Yeah, the the uh, I mean, it's a cliche at this point to talk about it, but the air being as clean as like the Sierras in L.A. is a really special once in a lifetime feeling experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, being that way all the time. <laughs> clean as a whistle is this air. I say let's never go back. Yeah. Uh, I just took a walk of my own, Adam, over to uh, the post office where we keep our post box. A vital resource to everyone. Yeah. A resource that I hope the uh, the clowns in Washington are persuaded to preserve and expand even. I bought some very fun stamps this week thinking that that might help, thinking that my small purchase <laughs> will keep them afloat. That's good. You know, I had not been in a long time because I'm trying to limit the number of trips to places I am taking. Walking around the neighborhood, I'm doing plenty. But uh, but yeah, I've got quite a haul of mail from the Uxbridge Shimoda P.O. Box. Do you want to uh, do a little mail call? I do. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. And this one's going to be more visual than it usually is, because we're both looking at each other on FaceTime. That's true. First thing is from um, A. Bowser. I think I know who that is. Oh, yeah. Max FunCon uh, frequenter, A. Bowser. And it's a... Oh, this looks like it's a a Valentine card. And uh, it says, uh, Life is like a box of tribbles... And I'm glad I got you. Oh, that's great. And uh, it says this. Dear Ben and Adam, happy... I'm going to add belated Valentine's <laughs> Day. I'm a little bit embarrassed to be sending a Valentine to my favorite podcasters instead of a boyfriend or Imzadi or whatever. <laughs> but your podcasts are a big part of my week. Thank you. Oh, congrats on four years of the greatest generation. Please keep making it forever. Live long and prosper. Alexandra Bowser. Wow. She's one of the best. That's awesome. Thank you, Alexandra. She's a frequent friend at Max FunCon. It uh, made me think about what might happen to that great event this year. Yeah, who knows at this point. Everything's up in the air. Okay, this next one uh, is from B. Tilly of Zanesville, Ohio. Oh, I think I know who that is. Yeah, that sounds mighty familiar to me. Always carefully packed when uh, when B. Tilly sends something to us. That guy does it right. No half measures on the uh, packing. What I like about opening a Bill Tilly package is that uh, I also get to read a Zanesville, Ohio newspaper. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay, so here's the letter. 
Hey guys, here are the two missing issues and the TOS annual that is tied into the last annual from the Trexmas TNG comic drop. Consider this package the dot 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 and now the conclusion <laughs> to that one. Looking forward to downing some hoofs with you and screaming to the heavens because a Vegas is coming. <laughs> All my hopes, Bill Tilly. He signed it Card Daddy. That's great. That is so uh, he sent us uh, some uh, bagged and boarded uh, comic that. books. We've got Star Trek TNG Convergence, Star Trek Convergence, and uh, the Star Trek The Next Generation Annual. This looks like it is set in uh, Geordi as Dr. Watson type of environment. There's an expression that Bill Shatner has sometimes that is on that TOS version of the comic that is very much a do I smell a fart expression. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Thanks, Bill. Uh, Okay, the next one we have here is a small packet or petite paquette. Uh, This looks like it maybe came in from Canada from Jay Zarnett. Hmm. In Waterloo, Ontario. So let me get into this. Okay, there's a letter. Dear Ben and Adam, I'm prepping to move sometime soon and I came across these 30th anniversary cards and I thought you might like them. Maybe they can even be useful in a game segment of the pod. This is the second of three card sets and I unfortunately do not have the others, but perhaps other friends of DeSoto do. All the best. Thanks for the many great hours of Quality Pod. I don't know if we've seen this particular type of trading card before. These are like a different breed, a lot of uh, a lot of foil in in play, and it looks like some holograms too, right? Yeah, some holograms. Uh, like higher quality cards than the stuck together cards we yeah than than the used to the cummy DS9 cards. There's a Nexus Ribbon card. How about that? Do you get a piece of the Nexus Ribbon in that card? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's stapled to the back. Uh-huh. There's one of there's one of Morn. Oh, that's great. So these seem to span quite a a large era, and I guess these are phase 2 cards focusing on the inhabitants of this Star Trek universe. Wow, that is a pretty wide net. For a series of cards, it's great. Thank you so much uh, for sending these, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, a couple more packages. Here's one from Matt B. of Bridgeport, West Virginia. Uh, Matt B. has definitely sent us some stuff in the past. I think he is a officer in the ATF, if memory serves. Whoa. All right, here we go. Hey, guys, it is your friendly federal friend of DeSoto, Matt. Your podcasts keep me company on long drives through rural territory, and the FOD community helps me feel a little less isolated while working an area very far away from my hometown of Boston. I'm sending a collection of ATF patches and coins. They include our hurricane relief mission patches from 2017 and 2018, my West Virginia field office, a local drug task force where I work, ATF Super Troopers, a.k.a. Vermont, and two special operations patches that I can tell you about over a beer sometime. I guess they're secretive special operations. The coins include the Irish Emerald Society, Up the Long Ladder Society, and our arson slash explosives response team. Thank you for making great pod and great 
parasocial relationships. And Adam, when I saw O'Brien try to solo clear that long hallway with his weapon light blazing, I shouted, No, you're gonna get killed at the TV. Your tactical instincts were right on. <laughs> Hope you guys make it to Pittsburgh again soon. Matt. P.S. The guy behind the weird DC live show P1, with all the re- references to SF-86s and E. EQIP? That was me making Whoa. two percenter jokes for the other government dorks in the audience. That joke really killed. Yeah, that that's like, uh, that's a very powerful memory because uh, we were reading that P1 not understanding any of it, and yeah. it was destroying the audience. <laughs> it's like a person who brings a date to one of our shows. That's the yeah. exact same effect. They're hearing yeah, something like, wh- being said they don't understand, and it's killing. Why are people laughing at this? <laughs> so he sent us, like, all of these uh, wow. Velcro-backed shoulder patches and stuff. There are probably over a dozen of these in here. That's great. And, I just uh, finished the construction of the new studio in the new place, and uh, half of the wall behind my computer is all felt, so I feel like I could use the Velcro side to oh, yeah. patches and put them right on there. You're going to have some cool stuff on there. Very cool. And then uh, some really cool challenge coins. Whoa, whoa, that challenge coin is thick. Yeah, these are uh, excellent quality. Um, I mean, similar quality to the ones we do, I would say. But Wow, you know. we've got a real growing collection of those. That's always really cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Really neat stuff. Okay, Adam, I think this is the last of the packages that I brought home with me. All right. Uh, this is also from Bill T. of St. Joe, Ohio. We do not deserve him. This is a big one. This is like the, uh, the priority mail, uh, larger size, standard rate shipping box. Yeah. Which means he spent like $1,000 to send it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right. He's got a uh, piece of college-ruled loose-leaf paper here <laughs> for his letter. Uh, hey, fellas. Hope all continues to be well and safe for you in these crazy times. Now seemed like the perfect time for a fun mail call. So here is the latest additions to the Greatest Gen trading card series. And the first sets for Greatest Discovery. Wow! Awesome. I couldn't figure out how to make hoof-shaped bubble gum for them. Maybe maybe next time. Have fun finding storage space for another one of the ridiculously large boxes I send. <laughs> Thanks from me and all the FODs for everything you do. Hopefully we'll get back one or two or ten together soon. As always, I ride for Greatest Gen. Be safe. Your card daddy, Bill. Bill Tilly. So, uh, Best in the this business. Is, uh, I'll, sh- I'll hold this up to the camera. A huge cache of cards. Wow. And uh, his his yeah, work as... on the uh, on the Star Trek Discovery series has been really great to relive. You can see all of his work on Twitter at Bill Tilly nineteen seventy three. Wow, those are really great. Yeah. At some point, he figured out how to make these in a quality that is better than the companies like Skybox (laughs) and uh, Rittenhouse that (laughs) produce actual licensed Star Trek cards. Those guys need to put Bill on the payroll. Really, they really do. Uh, We should put Bill on the payroll, too. It's true. Um, This is amazing, Bill. Thank you so much. There's uh, boxes and boxes of cards in here, and I can't wait to lie on the carpet in the the rumpus (laughs) room and just look at them for hours and hours. 
Thanks a ton, Bill, for uh, all you do. The hoofs are on us when we see you next. Indeed. Uh, Adam, I'm going to pause the pod for a second and run and wash my hands, and uh, and then we can come back for uh, our discussion of Season 6, Episode 11, Waltz. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Ben, we open on the backside of a Del Sol-class starship, and I gotta ask you, <laughs> did you check out that ass on the honshu? The honshu's butt is very, uh, it's like the most Star Wars-y part of a, of a Federation ship I feel like I've ever seen. We've talked a lot about how much we like the Del Sol-class, and yet I think it's got the best ass in Starfleet. I didn't know that oh, you, until this episode. You think it's the best booty? Yeah, really do. You, you very rarely get a nice, long, luxuriant look at the booty of a Del Sol like this. I know. You've, I feel like you've seen the backside of most other classes of yeah. ships. I feel like if you're a leg man, most Starfleet ships will do it for you. Yeah. But, uh, but if you're an ass man, the honshu <laughs> is for you. If you want a ship with a donkey booty, you're going to have to look no further than the honshu. <laughs> Yeah, this is a prisoner transport mission that the that the Hanshu is on, and uh, Cisco is along for the ride, and uh, he's kind of uh, captain's logging about this in a way that is a little bit circumspect mm-hmm. about uh, who and what he is talking about, so that uh, the maximum impact uh, can be had when he uh, walks through the hallway and comes around the corner, and it is revealed that the crazy dot 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 broken man that he's referring to is none other than Gul Dukat. I heard you were aboard. I really like this log out of Ben Sisko because he admits some things about himself that he's uncomfortable with. He kind of admonishes his thoughts about, you know, we really shouldn't care if this guy lives or dies. Or <laughs> or this guy's the worst of the worst. Why what are we even trucking him around for? Like Pretty yeah, you don't stuff. really hear, like, that kind of thing come into a rant like this. Like, you never hear, like, Perhaps we should treat our prisoners with dignity and respect, <laughs> even though Galducat is a war criminal! <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and if he's that twisted up about it, why go on the mission, Ben Sisko? I'm trying to be fair. Yeah. There's a lot of humanity in the way Sisko is treating Gul Dukat in this, in this open, even. Like, yeah. thinking about what Gul Dukat has been through from his, you know, putting himself in Gul Dukat's shoes and thinking about losing your daughter, losing your your uh, big chair at the apex of your empire. Like, that's devastating. No wonder he lost his mind. Was it just me, or does Dukat just look different in this episode? Hmm, I didn't pick up on that. I... I wonder if it's lighting or angle or maybe even the prosthetic, but something about him looked different than he's ever looked before. And I think in saying that, I think that's concurrent with how different he is as a character. I think whether or not that's true, I think it's effective in showing us that he's a changed person. The lighting in this episode seemed darker and moodier than, you know, it's it's a moodier, darker show than... TNG ever was, but right. this this lighting seemed darker and moodier than your average Deep Space Nine episode. 
couple of things we learn about this scene between Cisco and Ducat and the brig is that Ducat isn't going to be going to trial until the war is over. But there is going to be some pre-trial working happening here. There's going to be some testifying. Cisco's going to be one of the testifiers. Uh, but he's not going to tell Ducat any more than that. Ducat's kind of grilling him about what he's going to yeah. say. And and Cisco says he's just going to tell the truth. And that is extremely unsatisfying to a person <laughs> for whom your testimony is going to determine the, the course of their life. Right. The the leverage here is, is is really unfair and it's very unusual for Ducat to have no leverage in a scene. Yeah. And like Ducat's also the kind of guy that ne- would never trust what somebody is saying if they're being nice to him. Yeah. Ducat's a real Adam Pranica in that way, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I where I was kinda trying to take that. <laughs> one of one of the many qualities that me and Gold Ducat share. Maybe that's what you're picking up on is that he's making a lot of Adam face in this episode. <laughs> Yeah. So they're they're kind of having this conversation, but uh, they uh, are headed to Starbase Six, blah blah blah, and they uh, they sustain some some bangers when Cisco uh, tries to walk out of the room. Yeah, we get bangers to theme. Battle stations, damage control teams, report to level five J. One of our favorite transitions to theme song. I love I love banging right into that theme. <laughs> we cut directly to. DS9 and Ops after the theme, and it's Kira telling Odo, Dax, Bashir, and Worf that the Honshu has been destroyed by Cardassians. A, uh, a wing of uh, Cardassian attack ships took this thing out. Those uh, Cardassian torpedoes went so deep it put the Honshu's <laughs> ass to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought a lot about this, right? Because the, the Del Sol class starship with the big weapons platform up mm-hmm. over the saucer is like the kind of ship that uh, Captain uh, Maddox had, right? Yeah. Like, like they're they're basically purpose-built for killing Cardis. Yeah. The Honshu is not one you want to fuck with. But they got taken out. There's some evidence that there were some escape pods and shuttles that, that made it out of there. So they're going to be survivors, but they have no idea whether or not Commander Sisko is going to be among them. That's the whole and, reason that there's not sobbing at ops, is that there's yeah, the hope of these escape there's a, pods. There's a, a sliver of hope, uh, but uh, as with many stories like this, uh, Starfleet magically has almost no ships, so <laughs> there are only going to be two ships on uh, on the search party detail. Right. And uh, I guess they have like a, a fairly large amount of space to search, right? Yeah, like there's, they're saying, like this isn't enough ships to search the amount of space that we have to. There's some schedule pressure happening here with Worf's assignment of the little D. Like the little D needs to go out to convoy duty, uh, and it's going to be able to conduct the search after its 12-hour transit to get out to the search area. So it's got 12 hours to get out there, and then 12 hours to get to the Badlands, and they only have 52 hours total. Right. In order to get the little D to the convoy protection mission. So very little time, and Worf is not pleased. And the orders still stand. The very specific like number of hours that I kind of thought that they were going to do something with. Yeah, in a we know Cisco and Ducat are going to run out of air in a certain amount of hours kind of thing. There is no yeah. timeline uh, on the other side of this. I feel like that could have been a way to take this story, right? Like they're in a shuttle that got disable and it's like just tumbling inert in space and there's like like it's getting cold or something like that i don't know 
what what they went with but was... But instead it's uh, like administrative stress, right? Warp <laughs> is the employee that was given uh, more job than he has hours in the day. Yeah, yeah. And what they went with was uh, camping in the Star Trek caves. And uh, Cisco wakes up uh, not knowing where he is or what's going on. And they kind of talk through what happened. We were attacked. By a wing of Cardassian ships, ironically. Takat's like, your breath fucking stinks. <laughs> You've been puking all night, bud. Oh, man. Poor guy. Cisco's got morning breath and puke breath. That's bad. A real I... uh, morning in college situation for Captain Cisco. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, the other day, I've, I've been sleeping with a, with a mouth guard last couple of weeks for uh for reasons oh this is a new technology for you it's not i've had this mouth guard for a while but i am not always as stressed out as i am right now mm-hmm. <laughs> and i uh i almost never do this but i forgot to brush my teeth before going to bed one night and did the mouth guard and when i took it out it like released like <laughs> a scent cloud that was like one of the worst things i've ever experienced that early in the morning <laughs> yeah dude you get, that is bad news. I'm pretty yeah. fastidious with that thing. I'm on my second mouth guard because, of course, I broke the first one in the night. You, you chewed through the first one? Yeah. That's... Did you get one made professionally, or did you just get the one at the drugstore? No, I got a, I got a pro model like made at the dentist, and it's yeah. a very traumatic experience if you've ever gotten one done that way. No, I, I think I need to because the one I, I got at the drugstore that I did myself is not well aligned so my jaw is a little bit wonky when i when yeah, i wake up yeah which i i can't imagine is a good thing that's gonna give you headaches you don't want is it that. gonna take like 10 months to get an appointment in a dentist's office when this when this thing is over it's a good question i haven't tried there's gonna be a lot of pent-up demand yeah there's gonna be a lot of teeth scraping and hair cutting at the end of this. <laughs> Imagine the dumpsters full of cut hair in six months, just <laughs> overflowing. <laughs> it's going to be awful. Uh, Ducat was able to save Cisco, uh, but not Lieutenant McConnell, who was the other Starfleet that was helping him uh, carry Cisco to the shuttle. Right. So, uh, so, so they have a, a distress beacon going, and Ducat made the magnanimous choice to program this to a neutral distress signal. It's not a Cardassian. It's not a Federation uh, coding. It's it's just a neutral coding. So whoever shows up first can can have both of them. One of them will be a POW, and the other will will uh, be back to his old tricks you love games of chance <laughs> yeah this is my favorite i love i love betting with my entire future yeah so you know this i think we've seen this type of device before right the rug doctor transmitter that they have <laughs> i was gonna say the the kegerator yeah <laughs> transmitter it really has a specific shape yeah i think rug doctor is in fact more apt it's it looks like it's it's there to steam clean the star trek cave right right it's just a, a box with a bunch of lights on it um cisco's fucked up he's kind of he's kind of stuck on the uh on the yoga mat that ducat put down for him his arm is broken it's in a it's in a space cast there's very limited resources on this planet they uh ducat refers to the uh to the surface as being incredibly harsh and inhospitable but hopefully they can they can find something to eat out there because uh because he found firewood 
This is the scene where we get an introduction to just how mentally fragile Golducat is. Hard to know whether this was going on while he was in the brig or not, but at least in the Star Trek caves, we start to see the six degrees of Golducat's inner life. Yeah. As played by the characters in his life. And the first person that we see as Ducat goes away to forage is Wayun. And Wayun yeah. is especially cruel describing Ducat's time in the hospitals. And and in saying that, I'm wondering if maybe none of these hallucinations accompanied him there, because they seem to be talking about that in a past tense kind of way. Well, yeah, and I don't think it's obvious that these are hallucinations right off the bat, because we've known the Dominion to have secret Manchurian candidate projects going on in Star Trek caves before. That's fair. So, like, the first time I saw Wayun, I was like, oh, is, like, is has Dukat, like, gotten back to the Dominion with Cisco and is, like, fucking with yeah. him somehow? He's like... We see this kind of TNG episode all the time. This was, like, Future Imperfect, your suspicion here, right? Right. No way. But then Dukat flips out and tries to shoot Wayun, and, uh, and Wayun vanishes, so... I like it. And I, and I like that Gul Dukat is kind of aware that he's nuts. Yeah. Like, as the episode progresses, like, he's aware that these characters are not, like, real enough for other people to be... Like, they're very real to him in the sense that he, like, argues with them and tries to kill them and shit. But, like, when he's around Cisco and one or two of his fantasy people are there also... I don't need your fantasy women. He's pretty good at, at staying chill for the early part of the episode and not revealing to Cisco that he's, like, hearing voices. Yeah, there's a togetherness about Ducat's specific insanity that, that is useful for the purposes of, of the storytelling of this episode, right? Like, yeah. he can keep it bottled up, for the most part, from Captain Cisco until toward the end. He's kind of Sarah Connoring, like, yeah. that the doctors believed him when he said, I'm, I'm feeling much better, doctor, you know? Yeah. He's, I guess, a better actor than Sarah Connor because he's he's actually, like, persuaded them that he's, like, sane enough to stand trial, right. I guess. Captain Sisko, like, one of the most respected characters in all of Star Trek, uh, really loses a lot of stock for me here because, uh, you know, Gul Dukat goes through the effort of foraging and, and making a meal for him, and all he's doing is complaining about it. How is it? Need salt. I do like that at least Cisco tastes his food before seasoning it. That's a thing that, that a lot of impolite dinner guests do, is they'll just salt and season their food before even trying it first. That's very rude. Are, when you have a dinner party at your house, do you uh, are you watching to make sure people don't season their food first? I'll say I'm not watching, but I've noticed. Wow. Does that make sense? Do you have a reputation for undersalting your food? That is a great question. I think I've gotten better and better over the years about that. I think yeah. I think the one time you do that mistake of salting and then reducing a thing, yeah, and and making a meal that's super salty, it makes you a little salt shy, right? Uh, for a while after that, and I and I think that might have been my experience until I I brought it back to equilibrium. I think I'm pretty good with the seasoning of my food over the last few years. I also think like all of the like food messaging we got all through the 80s and 90s yep. made us very scared of salt 
in a way yeah, that which like, is stupid yeah i mean now i'm hitting basically every plate of food with mountain salt before <laughs> eating it like, <laughs> as it should be wow la di da that's where your that's where your max fund donation dollars are going, folks. Buying Adam fancy, fancy Malden salt. You know what? You hate. I'm gonna get you some for your birthday, Ben. <laughs> I have too much right now, actually. So, Dukat asks about Odo and Kira and Quark in a "How are my buds doing?" kind of way, like yeah. totally missing the mark on what their relationship could be. There's a assumed familiarity between. Dukat and Cisco that Cisco doesn't rush to discourage. He's he's sort of playing the part of a good listener throughout this scene and throughout this episode and sort of lets Dukat spool himself out in front of him. Is that game? Is that Cisco doing the math on like I'm very badly physically incapacitated right now and I need to keep Dukat on my side? That's how I saw it. It's very much a James Khan in misery situation. Yeah. Cause like it takes a while for Cisco to figure out that Ducat yeah. is hearing voices. Like even that interaction is kind of an indication that Ducat doesn't really have a great grasp on reality, right? Right, because it's extremely common sense to figure that Odo and Kira and Quark fucking hate him and always will. (laughs) But Dukat's theory presupposes that maybe he was just undermined and actually genuinely cared about everyone on the station the entire time. Yeah, I mean, like, the Dukat victim complex shit is super strong. Like, I I really like this episode, not to skip to the end, but but the thing about two powerful leaders coming together, even though Dukat is insane and foolish about what his reputation might have been, I feel like it's that sort of quality that we like about some podcasts, like two people really good at a thing talking about their experience doing that thing feels like it's an undercurrent in this episode. Like Ducat is very wrong, but it's also two titans of their people coming together to compare notes about a circumstance. Yeah, like talking shop at a very high level. Right. He's having a like a familiar conspiratorial conversation with Cisco in this way. Yeah, it's the Jackie and Laurie show of Star Trek conversations. <laughs> There's a limit, though, because Cisco, towards the end of this scene, like disabuses him of the idea that they're friendly enough to have a friendly conversation about work. Yeah, they're not. They're not friends, and they're not going to be. They're just in a situation that stuck them together. And also, like Cisco doesn't even believe that Ducat gives a shit about what he yeah. thinks. Yeah, like he he basically drops the poker face at the end of this scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dukat keeps seeing imaginary people. These scenes with Dukat and Cisco are very long. They constitute maybe 90% of the episode. We're cutting back to DS9 yeah. and the rescue mission so little. There's probably five minutes of that in this whole episode. This is a, a, a René Aubergenois-directed episode, and I feel yeah. like it's a Star Trek tradition at this point to give the very actorly episodes mm-hmm. to one of the cast members to direct, and this is yeah. no exception. Really agree. Ducat's experience talking to imaginary Damar gives us the goal of the entire thing. Damar wants Ducat to kill him, but Ducat wants to hear Cisco say he respects him first. That's that's going to be his goal. <laughs> oh yeah, Demar wants Ducat to kill Cisco. Yeah, not should... not Demar isn't isn't like Alien Four like kill me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Damara wants Ducat to kill Cisco, but before Ducat is willing to do that, he wants to hear Cisco say he respects him first. Yeah, this is like cross-cut with the reveal that the system that is theoretically transmitting the rescue beacon is actually offline. Yeah, it's a real leaky rug doctor situation (laughs) here. Cisco barely touches it and the panels are coming off. Yeah, he's got to try and fix it and surreptitiously because uh, the front of it says system online. It's the back that says offline. Ben, if you're uh, consuming syrup in a way that you don't want other people to know about it, is that surreptitious? Hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I've actually kind of stopped consuming syrup and I'm all, I'm all sauce of squill now. <laughs> Why is there an interior and exterior display to this thing? It seems like the, uh, the, the exterior system online should not be working if the, back, if the back one that's under the panel says offline. Yeah. This is a catastrophic engineering failure <laughs> on the Federation's part that, that that would be possible. What if we made a life-saving piece of equipment <laughs> and, we, and we put them on all of these escape pods, uh, but we made the redundancy capable of lying? <laughs> this is like uh, my uh, recent airplane emergency where I had the oxygen mask put on me and the bag inflated. Like, I'm never going to trust the oxygen mask ever again if the bag doesn't inflate, you know? I need visual confirmation that that uh, uh, oxygen is flowing to the mask. You want whoopee cushion size inflation yeah. on that oxygen mask. Right. And I want the system online panel to be a trillion percent trustworthy. There are a couple of scenes where Cisco sort of covers up that he knows the secret of the rug doctor. Mm-hmm. And those are pretty satisfying. We cut back to the little D and Worf's log says that they've picked up some survivors, but none of those survivors are Captain Sisko. Can you imagine being rescued and then being seeing on board and everybody looks disappointed when you materialize on the pad? <laughs> I just know how that would go for me. <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead and find your quarters or whatever. Yeah, uh, there's probably something available on deck six. Fuck. Here's a towel. (laughs) I am not totally confident that that's been laundered, so you might want to wash it first. Cisco has taken it upon himself to create some life-saving inventions made of household materials <laughs> because he's ripped a tine off of a fork and he's like working the inside of the rug doctor yeah uh, trying to get this transmitter working properly and and so he reboots the box yeah and like we immediately cut to the bridge of the little d where o'brien like catches something booping on his panel commander i'm picking up a distress signal and they're like okay another another distress signal leading us to believe that the rug doctor has been repaired 
uh, and then immediately back to the Star Trek cave where Cisco hears Gul Dukat coming and has to like put everything back in place and turn the rug doctor back around and and get back down on his yoga mat like nothing was going on. This was really elegantly done, this bit of cross-cutting for the next several minutes. Like, yeah. building up our hope and then dashing it, it was just expertly done, to the extent that I almost felt like it was cheating. <laughs> like, I almost got mad at the episode for it. I was wondering, like, I was like, wow, like, the rescue is coming much earlier in the episode than I expected, yeah. and I wonder what they're going to do with the rest of the time, because this seems like the... Like, it seems like the arc is is prematurely yeah. coming to a, a close. Yeah. So, so like, now Cisco's a little smug, right? Like, he's he's feeling he's feeling really good that uh, he knows something that Ducat doesn't. He has leverage for the first time since that first scene. And he starts to kind of blow sunshine up Ducat's ass, which is... I love that Ducat is, like, so thirsty for respect and approval from Cisco but also like can't see when he's being told what he wants to hear, you know? When when right. when Cisco's shining him on, he's like, "Great, this is working. I'm finally getting somewhere." Yeah, you can see him change. This is a really fun part of the episode because it gives us Major Kira as the hallucination. Yeah. And when she goes 11 out of 10 laughing, it's like she provides her own light source for the Star Trek cave. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the brightest part of this very darkly lit episode. Yeah, and you know, the counterpoint to that is that she is absolutely vicious when she tears into Dukat in these scenes too. Like, it is definitely Kira laughing at and not with him. Yeah, and it's, it's very fun to see her get the apex status in an interaction with him yeah because usually he has something to threaten her with or some power over her or or just the rules of propriety forbid her from telling him actually what the way she feels and in this scene she can like really fucking rip into him cisco at this point really sees the outbursts for what they are and he finally like the as far as he's willing to go with Ducat is like look i've judged you unfairly but I think you probably had good reasons for everything you did on Pejo. But he does it in that tone that, that, that is like overly patronizing, that even like it's unsubtle yeah. in its tone. But Ducat doesn't take it as patronizing. He's willing to, to buy what he's selling. And this just makes hallucination Kira like piss her pants laughing. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. I mean, like what Ducat wants is essentially for judge Cisco to deem the way Ducat behaved during the occupation to have been fair and in fact better for the Bajorans than what would have been otherwise. He wants to feel like he has a a clean record when it comes to his military occupation of Bajor. And he actually has some like some evidence to cite like that that like the death rate went down and like like he was making changes to a system that he inherited that was much more brutal than uh, than it needed to be. Right, like people expected deaths at a certain extremely high level, and then when for some reason they were less than that, he saw that as a great victory, even though many, many, many people died under his watch. Right. This just totally unravels Dukat's mind, and he just starts shooting. <laughs> 
but we've cut back and forth during the last few minutes because we go little d surface, little d surface, and and on the little d they found the signals of two people, and then they beam up those people, and it's Adam and Ben. Yeah, and everybody is crestfallen. Like, we didn't even bring Ensign Hospitality. It's meta disappointment because we get the disappointment of Adam and Ben on the transporter pad, and then when we're back in the Star Trek cave, Dukat has shot the transmitter. Yeah, because he found the he found the tine, right? Yeah. He he found that uh, that Cisco had had broken a tine off of a fork, and he's like, "What could you have been doing with this? Trying to reset an electronics device, put putting it in that little reset hole." Yeah, you never have a ballpoint pen when you need one. <laughs> but Dax had a pickup of the signal just a second before it went away, and so for the viewer, there's a little bit of hope here. Yeah. That hope seems to be dwindling for Ben Sisko because yeah. Ducat has set down the phaser and in a very goodwill hunting kind of way has chosen the wrench. Just fuck him. That's why. <laughs> and starts going to work on Ben Sisko. Well, uh, Sisko's going to learn pretty quickly that if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think that this is a a great twist in the in the storytelling because it, like, we had this sense of safety when we thought the little D was heading there, like straight here, and now mm-hmm. it's gone, and we have no idea whether or not the rescue can happen in the remaining amount of time, and yeah. uh, and and it feels very scary for for Cisco at this point. Like, how, how scared do you have to be to hold your cast up to protect yourself from a guy that's wailing on you? Great sound design for this scene, too, because you hear that wrench hit the cast, and uh, it just makes you wince to hear it. Yeah. Morn. 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 Sweet. Morn. 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 You hear, buddy? Morn. Stop. Hammer time. Back on the little D, they are getting the... The bad news FaceTime from uh, from Major Kira, who needs to probably reset her Wi-Fi router because uh, the signal is not coming through super strong. You know, she's like basically saying, like, you got to call the search off. This is it. You got to go rendezvous with the uh, wagon train that you're supposed to be running security for. There's a really interesting conflict on the bridge here because... Bashir and O'Brien feign that they couldn't tell what Kira was saying, (laughs) and Dax and Worf aren't even trying to hear that. Well, it doesn't really matter what we think. Commander Worf is captain here. They're going to follow the orders that they know to be true. And even though Bashir and O'Brien think and say almost exactly the same thing, Bashir is excused from the bridge. (laughs) It's such a classic uh, junior high school, like two students punching each other and then like only the one that that the teacher sees gets kicked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that gets caught with the note. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, I kind of read into this that it was like a, Dr. Bashir, you have a giant brain, a genetically engineered brain. You should know better. I read it like, what is Bashir doing on the bridge? Yeah. Like, he doesn't need to be there. There's a, There are all these people that have been rescued from a, an attack on their starship that are probably bleeding out in Six Bay. Why don't you go down there? A bunch of uh, the people we've rescued are feeling pretty bad about themselves right now yeah. and their relative value compared to <laughs> Captain Cisco. Maybe you could go counsel them. <laughs> yeah. 
use your planet-sized mind to uh, to help them feel better about the fact that we're all obviously disappointed that they're the ones we rescued. When we cut back to the Star Trek caves, uh, Cisco is not dead, but he is bleeding, and he's defiant. He's he's like the little D. Yeah. He will never give Ducat the absolution he's after, and instead uh, proposes a game of true or false. And they conversationally play this game having to do with the responsibility of command. Yeah, Cisco wants the evidence for what Ducat is claiming. The evidence that he was actually a good leader of the Cardassian occupation. Tell me I've led a good life. What? Tell me I'm a good man. Cisco needs evidence like I need raw materials. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It's very interesting to hear the perspective of Gul Dukat here because his argument is, is all proportional, right? Like he, he started out at this level and I'm making, I'm putting a hand in front of my face to, to show you. That <laughs> this is this the problem level. with the looking at each other yeah. during podcast. <laughs> but the resistance always met him on the same level. And so his punishment was levied, the resistance attacks became more frequent, right. and over and over and over. And so he blames the Bajorans for their reaction right. that, to his policy. That the resistance was reacting to the previous policies and weren't and weren't uh, dealing in good faith with the reforms he was trying to make. But he also slips into the, like, we were the superior race. Like, part of their complaint with us was that they were ashamed that we had better technology than them. And that's an ugly look. It is, but that's what I wanted to hear. Like, I want to hear that kind of ugliness from him as a reason for all of the cruelty that he brought down on the Bajorans. Like, I think it's very easy to forget just how in the past Bajor is, how agrarian they are. Yeah. And how overmatched they were during the occupation. And he really lays it out there as, like, they were a century behind us. Like, they should have worshipped us as gods. Right. This conversation, like, the the cast of characters gets bigger and bigger because Damar and Wayun and Kira are are adding their two cents and at a certain point Ducat can't really keep up the pretense that he's just having a conversation with Cisco anymore there are some great camera tricks in the scene too Ben a lot of like long sequences where you're you're panning with Ducat walking over to Cisco and yeah. when you go back to two uh like the the first hallucination has been replaced with a different one right I love that stuff yeah really good and and it plays with your sense of like the like the camera is giving you Ducat's perspective when you see one of his hallucinations but then when you don't you're getting more Cisco's perspective and it's right. very like adroitly designed how how we cut between those two perspectives uh, Dr. Cisco unlicensed therapist finally draws him out like the <laughs> yeah. the crescendo to the whole thing comes to a point with Ducat saying I should have killed them all killed them all of course yeah it's the witness booth confession that totally you, you want to extract right before baseball batting the witness <laughs> yeah yeah which is which is what Cisco finally does he lays the pipe on Ducat and then makes for the entrance of the cave and the storm out there looks pretty rough. It looks yeah. like it, they got a case of Ferengi lightning out there. One thing Ducat did not lie about was that the surface is, in fact, very inhospitable. Yeah, there's that moment where Cisco like 
drops the pipe and he's like, God, you know, Dukat was right about one thing. It's not great out here. <laughs> Respect to him on that subject yeah. anyways. So he finds the shuttle, and as he closes the door to it behind him, Ducat hits the mini trampoline and makes it inside. Yeah, that was it's like so great. my favorite moment in the episode. Ducat flying through the door and and like clotheslining Cisco. And then they get down to like a they live style <laughs> brawl outside this yeah. thing. Ducat is trying to put sunglasses on Cisco. Cisco <laughs> refuses. It's kind of a miracle that Cisco is able to hold, hold his own at all in this fight given yeah. how fucked up he is. Yeah, um, arm in a sling Cisco, very formidable. Yeah, and like and like samurai hair Ducat who's fully flying around in this scene. You think Cisco has him beat when Cisco kicks Dukat in the knee genitals? But then Dukat makes it back to the shuttle and closes the door, like with him and his hallucinations inside. Yeah, he gets away. Bad guy Dukat is back on the menu, boys. If this were a show made 10 years later, you know Ducat would have like taken the shuttle up into the air, cir- circled around, and then looked down like out of the window. <laughs> like a bad guy in a helicopter. Yeah, with the, with the chorus of hallucinations behind him. Yeah. yeah. That would have been cool. This is, this is the low point of the episode. You think it's over for him. So we yeah. get back to the, the little The episode and- that, that Cisco dies in. Yeah. Yeah, time has run out on the little D, too. Worf has to take the ship to the rendezvous. And then, just in the nick of time, O'Brien. We're so glad O'Brien's on the bridge, right? What if they kicked him out? Oh, boy. It's O'Brien's station that gets the signal from Goldicott. And we get Worf eyes, and then it's uh, it's post-pickup, right? Yeah. The, uh, yeah they the... cut the pickup out of it completely. You don't get to compare... <laughs> triumphant transporter room moment of of getting him back. Yeah, which they is just nice. bring bring all the other people that got rescued down to the transporter room to show them what what they were really going for. <laughs> Wait, there were there were party poppers, and <laughs> I didn't, there were no mixed drinks when I was beamed up. Yeah, nobody put a lay around my neck and gave me a kiss on the cheek. What gives? <laughs> So we understand that they got Cisco, but not Ducat. Yeah, we get Cisco in six bay with uh, with computer chips adhesive to his head, and yeah. uh, he just kind of like downloads about what he just experienced with Dax. And uh, the thing that really hit me was like, you go through life thinking that there are like good and bad actions, but everything is a shade of gray. And you meet somebody like Ducat, and you realize that there's true evil in the world. Ducat's a, a bad dude. I mean, this could have meant nothing before this episode. You really need the episode to make that statement true, I think. Because it's just conjecture about him. We, we, we saw him do bad things, yeah. but until we hear Ducat describe himself and his feelings the way he does this episode, like I'm not sure if I would have believed what Cisco was saying. Well, and crucially, like, Ducat is nuts in this episode, but in a way that's irredeemable. Like, his core beliefs are not the thing about him that is off balance. You wouldn't even forgive him. No. That's how far gone he is. Yeah. My liberal guilt has limits. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. Uh, did you like the episode, Ben? You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. I really liked the episode. Yeah, I thought it was a, a really tense episode. And like, you know, on paper, the episode where Gul Dukat and Cisco are stuck in a cave yelling at each other for 40 minutes. Like, I don't necessarily buy that in the room. Mm-hmm. But based on script and performance and direction, I think it is an excellent episode. Yeah, I think so, too. Really solid. I mean, it feels like theater to me due to its its number of setups. It's just a great episode. Look, I mean, we alluded to it earlier, but I think it merits a a specific comment. Uh, Mark Alamo's work in this episode is maybe the best it's ever been. He is really great this episode, really scary, really unhinged, yeah. uh, really chewing the scenery. I, I really loved his work. True that. And it's got, we've said it a lot. It's not easy to uh, to carry the weight of a scene with Avery Brooks. Yeah. The, the, guy's, the guy's the master. So I think a surprising amount of game recognizing game in this app. Yeah, like the sparring partner you want is somebody that's like... It, roughly in your weight class and mm-hmm. i don't think it's an insult to mark alamo to say that like avery brooks is like a giant when it comes to being a scene partner yeah but also like that's the the uh the thing everyone says about avery brooks is that he's like a really giving actor he's yeah. he's he's like he he's there to make you look good as well he's gonna make sure you get off first you know how I like to get off, Adam, is by reading our Priority One messages. Do you want to see if we have any in the inbox? That is a very strange kink, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to judge you for it. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is from David, and it is to Maureen and Robert. Message goes like this. Hi, Maureen. Sorry I spent $100 on this. <laughs> I love you. Hi, Robert. That is all. Ooh, boy. Uh... What I'm seeing here is that David stole $100 from Robert. Right. Uh, and he's apologizing to Maureen for some reason. Right. Maureen was counting on that stolen money to uh, they, she was going to buy some hot merchandise. There, it's a, it's just a whole crime syndicate over there, I think. <laughs> that is all, isn't it, David? Yeah. I, I don't think so, actually. I think there's a lot more to this story. Yeah. <laughs> some very suspicious stuff going on over here. Look, while we both appreciate the support that a priority one provides us. Uh, of course. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that people steal money from their friends, especially, in order to buy one. Yeah, steal it from somebody you don't know that well. You know what, though? On the other hand, what do I care where the money comes from? Yeah. We, this I'll is take actually, your dirty money. This is a great way to launder $100. <laughs> uh, we have another priority one message here, and it's with love from Carrie, probably in the living room, and it is to Tim Langan in Somerville, Massachusetts. It goes like this. Tim, I love you so much, and with all of my heart, you big, big nerd. There's no one in the world I would rather shelter in place with. Happy anniversary, honey. Love you forever. Dang! That's pretty sweet. That's a secret message coming from the other room. 
That's Carrie. Real, that's ultra sweet. We missed their anniversary, it looks like, by 21 days. It's hard to keep secrets from someone that you're sheltering in place with. Yeah, I mean, I think buying a P1 is probably one of the few things that you could keep a secret, right? Because you could just, like, you know, sneak off and do it on your phone. You just sneak off and open up the other person's wallet or purse. <laughs> you're like, take out a hundred bucks. They're like, hey, uh, why is your uh, browser in privacy mode? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely didn't buy a P1 on maximumfund.org/jumbotron. I swear I was watching porn. <laughs> or it's a hundred bucks for a personal message and two hundred for a commercial message. That wasn't me. That's not what I would do. I would never do something like that. But if that is you and that is what you did, we appreciate the support. Thanks. We sure do. Hey Ben, what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did. Uh, I'm going to give it to Bashir for being the guy that gets in trouble for <laughs> and kicked off the bridge. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen Worf pull rank on Bashir like this before, but I thought it was a very funny dynamic that they had, and uh, I really liked. I really liked seeing Worf shame Bashir in this moment. <laughs> Yeah, I think the thing that makes Bashir my Shimoda also is that he doesn't fight it at all. Yeah. And it's weird that Worf chooses an enlisted man to stay over the Doctor, but I also know, like, O'Brien's more useful on the bridge than Bashir will ever be. So, like, it makes perfect sense why Bashir has to go of the two of them. Yeah, Worf really needs to just break up that dynamic. Like, them separated is as good as them both gone, I think. Boy, that's a thing you saw all the time in junior high, too. You got to split up the best friends. Yeah. They're, they're just going to ruin the class. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product 
with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, we need to figure out what episode we're watching next. And to do that, we go to gach.biz slash game and consult the game of buttholes. Will of the Prophets. We sure do, Adam. The next episode is season six, episode 12. Who mourns for mourn? And uh, the description is as follows. Quark inherits a fortune and a group of thieves lay claim to the estate. All right. One of the rare Mourn-centric episodes. <laughs> yeah. Can't remember getting one of these. Yeah, indeed. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Uh, where are we at in the game of buttholes? Uh, looks like we are currently on square 47. Just two squares ahead is a space butthole. And then seven squares beyond where we are is a Quark's bar. So that one's not in range. Only the space butthole is. Okay. You want to roll that sucker? Uh, what do you think I rolled, Ben? I'm guessing a one based on the question. <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. That is exactly what I rolled. We are uh, inching along currently on square 48 and a regular old episode. Okay, looking forward to a regular old episode next week on The Greatest Generation. A regular great episode. Yeah. Is what they are, right? Indeed, indeed. E- each one greater than the one n- that comes next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, compared to like season one, episode one of TNG, this is incredibly great. Uh, we've got the, the greatest viewers in the business. Uh, many of them support the show in, uh, in their own special way, don't they? Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can uh, 
recommend the show to a friend, colleague, or loved one. You have all the time in the world for that, right? Yeah. Like, nothing but time. You're having awkward FaceTimes with family members. Yeah. And you're, and you're asking what they've been up to that last week. It's nothing new. Nothing new is happening. Nothing new. Uh, but here's something you can tell them. Yeah. Uh, you could also use your uh, your free time to write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Five-star reviews really help us uh, rise in the ranks over there and get the show in front of other uh, other potential new listeners. And growing the show uh, would be great for us. Really would. Uh, you might be surprised to know, Ben, that I recently talked to Adam Ragusia. No kidding! Adam Ragusia of the famous YouTube cooking channel. He is a big, big star and is very, very busy. Too big to take our calls, apparently. <laughs> he wanted us to know that uh, he is definitely not upset with us in any way. Yay! <laughs> he, just, he just has a phone that he shares with his children, and uh, most of the messages that get sent there are deleted or fucked with somehow so uh hi to everyone from the great adam ragusia he of course is the one who made our great interstitial music for this show based on the inspiration of dark materia who created the og theme music for the greatest generation we also got to thank our buddy bill tilly who makes digital trading cards of every episode of this show and uh of greatest discovery now as well he posts those on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen, and uh, he's at BillTilly1973. Uh, we also get physical versions of those trading cards sent to us, because we are the host of the podcast, and we are very lucky boys. Very lucky to have our card daddy. It's true. Uh, you may consider yourself lucky if you make an online friend... Out of the many online communities that have formed up around this show. Indeed. Uh, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, be sure to seek those out. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. Which is sure to be the longest episode ever. <laughs> longest and girthiest. Yeah. And st steeliest. <laughs> and and most ribbed. <laughs> <laughs>